Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery is a new age beverage company revolutionising the way we look at having a night out with friends. They make sophisticated, non-alcoholic beverages that are sugar-free and full of social graces. Now you can enjoy a good time, love what you drink and love yourself the next day too. Stay high in spirits, keep a clear mind. Cheers to Monday. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. I'm okay. All right. I can't believe this. That's so cool. Okay. Hi and welcome to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm super excited to have Amanda Swart in the, uh, in the Zoom room. Hey, Amanda, how are you? Hey, Danny. I'm good, thank you. I'm great. The reason I'm so excited to have Amanda on is because Amanda is one of my coaching clients. You came onto one of our first webinars. I think it was one that I did with Ash. Tell us a story about that, about how you came across it and why you signed up. A couple, I've been following Ash on um, Instagram and Facebook for a couple of years since we saw him live here in our hometown. And I was flicking through one night... Uh, Before I went to bed, I was uh, drunk and I was flicking through Facebook and I saw something about um, how I quit alcohol and that was, I think, an image of yourself and Ash on Facebook. And I thought, hmm, that's wonder what that is. And the next day being a Friday, I was driving home from work and I went on to Ash's Soulful Conversations and heard a podcast with his friend Ash. Uh, and immediately I just clicked on to the fact that you were speaking about your playbook, a, a journal for 365 days to uh, learn to quit alcohol, and I thought that 
that resonated with me immediately. And so luckily, as I was listening to your podcast, you were holding the webinar the following Sunday, like in two days' time. So I was lucky enough to, um, yeah, join in on that. I, I think I got home the Friday, that Friday evening, um, got on to the drinks as I usually do. And investigated a little bit onto your website. Didn't look at and it didn't play any of your previous podcasts. Didn't really know much about it other than what I'd heard you speak with Ash about. And then, um, yeah, booked in and I think then I cancelled or postponed and <laughs> I got there. Yeah, that was awesome. And I remember meeting you in the webinar and out of everyone, I think in that first webinar, you were the one that was like, I just love alcohol. And I remember you said that in the first coaching session as well. And you were, I love alcohol, but then you had this other side of you, which you were having a lot of the self-loathing that came along with alcohol as well. So we sort of focused a lot on that and realized at the end of the day, once we unpacked it, actually it wasn't serving you. It wasn't the friend that you thought it was. It was was causing you a lot of distress. I don't know if this is appropriate, but um, I was just going to read you the little, I I did a little intro when I joined in on the webinar. Um, I might just read some of that just really quickly because that gives you a bit of an idea. But I I attended the webinar you guys held on the 13th of September, 4pm. I started out going, I love drinking. It's probably my favourite pastime. I drink when I'm happy or sad, if life is good or bad. Any emotion, circumstance or situation is suitable for a drink or 10. I have a loving partner of 13 years. He's a good man. Many of my years were spent with not so good men due to drinking. I have a lovely home in sunny Queensland. I have family and friends who love me. I have well-paid work in the mining industry, um, but I work away a lot of the time. Um, And I went on to blah, 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 a few other things. I'm creating, I'm creative and have many uh, strengths but I can get quite down. I'm not happy inside. I drink most days. I usually drink alone. I don't have one or two and stop. I keep going. It affects my moods, my decision-making. I feel like a loser. I always regret it. But I look forward to having a drink. I started drinking at 20 years old. I'm now 55. My mum was an alcoholic. Uh, One of my brothers is an alcoholic. I've always felt that something is missing. Yeah, so that's that sort of summed it up. That was my intro at the webinar. Um, yeah, so essentially, I, my mum always had a drinking problem, and um, I guess it what defines an alcoholic in my mind. My mum was an alcoholic. She would drink maybe at eight o'clock in the morning Sundays when we toddled off to school and uh, things like that. Um, you know, alcohol I see now is. It's a culmination, your use of alcohol is a culmination of so many factors, one of them being your conditioning as a youngster and it's not a blame game or saying it's someone's fault. But in our home, um, my dad was a builder and he designed and built our house back in the mid-60s. So we had this dining room and a bar, a built-in bar, which was made out of beautiful Italian wood and it had a sink, you know, so it was a purpose-built bar. It was beautiful Um, and big orange 1960s, 70s orange vinyl stalls. Um, It had a bar fridge, a sink and so forth. So Dad would perch behind it, Mum would sit on the other side and there'd be a couple of stalls for us kids to, you know, join in on the fun, so to speak, Mm -hmm. as well. So they they always drank. Um, So it was always a thing at home and acceptable. Having said that, my dad, I think, tried to drink 
more with my mum to try and encourage her not to drink alone and so forth. Um, so I guess in the early days we probably all were familiar with having a little glass of beer or something like that with mum and dad. Uh, like I say, their, their drink of choice for forever that I recall was brandy and dry. To this day I still never drink brandy ever and um, I, I don't really drink the brown spirits, your, your whiskies or that, unless there's nothing else to drink. But I never do I drink brand, which is a bit funny. Um, so, so I guess I started a little bit later than a lot of um, folks who tried it as teenagers or youngsters secretly. I think because alcohol was acceptable in our home, it, it wasn't that we had a desire to sneak it or anything like that. I, I was, being the eldest, I think I was just, I was a bit the goody two-shoes. They used to call me, my nickname's The Gift, um, like your God's gift, you know, so I was the good kid. Um, so I, I I think I had a, a lot of pain perhaps about what was going on at home, so I shied away from it. I didn't want that. I didn't want the alcohol in my life. Uh, mm. Yeah, so, yep. And so you started, so when you did start to drink, what was it that, yes. so I know you ended up quite a heavy binge drinker and were, you said yes. to me before that you were teetering on the edge of daily drinking kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, so how did um, it get yes. to that level? Well, I guess I, I lived with a boyfriend when I was 19 and he was in the foot, footy club and, he, you know, the typical Aussie fella who drank a lot. So, again, I, I, I shied away from drinking. Ultimately, I realised that that wasn't where I wanted to be with, in my life with this fella and um, we separated and then I started going out with one of my girlfriends from work who was still a lifelong friend from I think I was 19 uh, 20 at that point. And so the first thing we'd go, we worked in offices in the city. We worked for the government. So we'd go out in the city after work on a Friday night, um, start drinking. Where we were drinking turned into a nightclub later in the night. So basically she used to call me, Cad, you know, the classic Cadbury glass and a half. Um, but essentially I think I caught up pretty quickly. So um, being in a city in, I guess that was the 80s, you um, there were certain pubs, you know, you'd, you had music and there were certain pubs on a Monday night that had bands, so you'd go go out on a Monday night, you'd go out on a Thursday night, you know, that pub environment. So hmm. um, I just started drinking because, one, that was acceptable and that was how you met men. Hmm. So that courage... Um, I guess, to be out there and connect with people. So, and initially I hated the taste of alcohol. I, I remember going to the Finden Hotel with my friend and um, she, she was an old hand at it, but um, you, you'd get uh, in South Australia, you'd get a um, schooner of Moselle and orange or Moselle and lemonade. You cool. just disgusting stuff and you didn't like the taste or I drink a gin squash because mm. it tastes like lemon squash, you know. So, so again, you never really like the taste of alcohol and this is so bizarre that we become so affiliated with it but, you know, it never mm. tasted good. Mm. Primarily it was to out, have fun and, and meet, meet guys, I guess, back then. Um, even though my mum had serious drinking problems through through a whole different range of circumstances. My parents um, leased a country hotel and things 
our whole family environment and values, let's say, just fell by the wayside. So all sorts of things were happening. Dad was on with the washer lady. Mum was on with the chef. My brothers and sister um, were working in the pub at 15, 16 years old and so forth. So, again, there was all this stuff happening related to alcohol, but we just, you know, I was actually starting my alcohol journey when all this still stuff was still happening in the background, which, you know, should have, again, been key indicators, don't go there. But mm. uh, nonetheless, I wasn't happy, but I was drinking, I wouldn't say as heavy at that point, but, um, and I, I can't recall if it was every day, but it would have been close to every day because I was living with my girlfriend. And so the, the thing was, you'd come home from work, kick off your high heels, throw your bag down, take off your bra and pour a wine. I think in those days we'd gone from the uh, four-litre casks to um, the two-litre casks. So we thought we were a little bit more on the market, you know. So uh, the <laughs> they were a bit better. They weren't just the fruity Lexia and Moselle or Riesling. You know, you had a few reds. So I think I was on red wine too by that stage. Anyway, come uh, 25, I was living in Melbourne again, do it, going out a lot. Um, and, again, what ties in with all of this, which I've alluded to previously, Lee's um, meeting men and, and uh, I guess, promiscuity, thinking that being drunk or drinking helps to meet people, meet men, and then um, you you tend to think that something leads from that interaction relationship slash relationship and think that that's going to go somewhere, but it doesn't. And um, so I think a lot of that was starting to occur, well, a lot of that did occur. Eventually you start. I started drinking more and more, thinking it's fun, but I think ultimately I realised now that that was pulling me down. It was... Um, really playing on my mind, conflicting values. Um, mm. Yeah. Sorry, I was probably, I was drinking every day by 25. That's a quick progression. It was. It was very quick, actually, in retrospect. Yeah. And I remember you saying as well when we first started the coaching too that you would drink at home with Robert or you'd get home from, from work and drink and then Robert would go to bed and then you'd carry on drinking on your own and go off into the night, but then waking up feeling, I remember you saying, I feel like a loser and all these things and all these put downs, you were putting yourself down. And remember in that first conversation, I said, why do you drink? And you said, it gives me confidence. And then we, mm. when we broke it down, we realized that, um, but is it giving you confidence when you're waking up the next day, telling yourself you're a loser? And, and it was like a light bulb went off. You were just like, oh shit. Uh, and Absolutely. And I think that's, um, you know, so there, there's been a good 30 years of serious drinking. And as, as I mentioned in my little intro from, from the webinar, I, a lot of us don't need a reason to drink. It's, you just do it. I, why, why would I drink? What, you know, I'm thirsty, so I'll drink a beer or a cider or it doesn't mean I'm going to sit and drink for the rest of the afternoon. I still achieve, achieve things and, you know, I've had a lot of adventures and fun and a good life. There's no doubt about that. But there's this other side where it just drags me down uh, the next day. You, you just feel guilt, remorse. Um, I don't physically hurt or I don't think I um, cause harm, let's hope, too much harm to others. I, I think I've spent 30 years causing harm to myself. That snowballs and that manifests and, and I used to always wonder what was the reason my mum 
How did my mum have her first dream, knowing she was sober at one point, to then have that very first dream, knowing the consequence and where that could lead? And and I think it was because she hated herself from the day before. Now, 30 years down the track, I finally realised that's what I'm doing too. I don't like myself, but I, I make it a reason. I've had a good day, I've had a bad day, or, you know, I've like, a, like I suggest, I come home from shopping, I'm hot and tired, I, oh, I have a drink. It, it's just, it becomes a natural part of your life, but the, um, the consequence, the repercussion of what I'm doing in my head is, is, is really detrimental. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I see that. And that's often too, we don't stop to think about that. Well, we do now because we're down the track. We can see where the drink leads, but often when you're in that cycle, you're not really stopping and taking a moment to think, where is this drink going to take me? And often you think, oh, it's just a moment. It's a momentary pleasure. That's what you're getting out of it. But you're not, you know, and we can't because we're human and we don't see where it could end up. And that self-loathing, that place that we get to you know, at the end of the night when you've blacked out and all these things that come along with it, it's like, shit, how, you know, how did that happen? <laughs> Where did that come from? I think at the end of the day, look, years ago, as I say, it was more you would be going out, it would be socialising. I wouldn't say I was a party girl, but I was a good time girl. I was always out there. I was I was always, like, happy out there for a good time. So, for example, if I worked during, I'd work Friday, I'd start, I worked at a nightclub that was one of the few nightclubs that was open all night. So I might start work at 10 or midnight and work through and then be drinking with the owners. So, of course, I'm, I'm the girl who's on with one of the owners, not not because I'm the it girl or anything, you know, I'm, I'm the knockout one they all want to be with. It's because I'm there, I'm drinking, I'm out there, I'm available. You know, so I'm, I was always happy for a good time to not then like yourself after the supposed good time. And that, that's, that's where you don't, yeah, you don't necessarily remember everything you've done or said, as we all know. I, you know, I never really thought of myself as blacking out, but even to this, you know, more recent times, I could sit up half the night and eating and drinking and, come out and go, hmm, did I rearrange the furniture last night? Or, oh, what's all those empty packets of biscuits? Uh, did I eat all that? Or, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, relatively harm, harmless stuff. But, you know, but 20, 30 years ago it might have been, you know, the, looking for love in all the wrong places and, you know, the, the, the funny story of, you know, the guy wakes up and chews off his arm, you know, those sort of things are real. And they're, they're the sort of things that, you know, you wake up and go, oh, my God, what did I just do? Or, oh, my God, who am I with? Oh, my God, how did I just not get, you know, pack-raped and murdered? Oh, my God, how, what, you know, what what risky situation have I just been in? You know, how, how stupid was I, hmm. you know, um, I've travelled overseas on my own and things like that. So it's funny, you know, I have confidence in many ways that other people may not have, but lack of confidence and I guess this part of self-esteem and and I recognise now as self-loathing, which all emanates from my use of alcohol and it it, it just snowballs. But... You know, I'm, as I say, I'll, I'll go overseas, travel and such on my own. 
but I'll always drink. And again, I'll, I could end up in scenarios where I remember in Mexico, I met this fella and, you know, I didn't even have my passport. I was at a bar. I used to go to this bar all the time, tequila bar. It was just awesome. I met this fella and sort of, you know, he could hardly speak English and I couldn't speak, you know, Spanish. But I went back to his place and it wasn't sorted at that time. He was showing me all these things and whatnot. And he was, you know, he had drugs with him and stuff. I thought, if I, here I am in a foreign country, I'm really at risk here. What the? You know, the next day you think, what the hell was I doing? Mm. What I've loved through your program too is about the cringe factor, and I love how you so openly speak about that. Um, And when I first started this journey back in whatever it was, October, um, I've had so many moments of memory of the cringe factor and sometimes, again, I just feel so bad within myself, but I'm working with that. But, you know, this this is years and years of, of cringe factors and um, I'm actually thinking about writing them down now and uh, a friend of mine also, she suggested, well, you could sort of burn them or something and, and not in, a, in a, a harsh, aggressive way, but I'm thinking of writing different memories down and then the cringe factors and going, right, okay, rip it up or set it alight, do a little ceremony and say, well, that's gone, that, that's that's over now. So, yeah, that's a great idea. I think that's a fan. I might steal that myself. <laughs> that's, that's a really good idea. It's, yeah. The other thing is too that I wanted to, I'm not trying to lead this, but with how I've come to, I call it hikwa, hikwa, I don't know if that's the right way you like to say it, how I quit alcohol, but I've known that alcohol was out of control in my life for many, many, many years. And I I saw a psychologist maybe in my 20s, as I've mentioned to you before. So I have a a visualisation, a cassette, this is how long ago it was. I have a cassette for visualisation or uh, hypnotherapy. So I've tried many things. 30 years ago, I mentioned my dad gave me, when it first came out, the book, um, How to Heal Your Life. Now, again, there must be triggers there. Why did my dad give me that, you know? But at the time, I said, shut up your backside. 20-something years ago, I started going to the Catholic Church and doing Catholic, uh, doing lessons to become a Catholic did that for a while. I've done, I did a Tony Robbins, I attended a, on my own a Tony Robbins Unleash the Power within oh, 15 years ago, 14 years ago, I think. I went to that and I was so hungover the first day of Combaliva. I had no idea what man was all about um, and it freaked me out. But yeah, I was hungover to the max when I attended. But that did make an impact. 15 years ago, I had a life coach when life coaches were just becoming a, a sort of a new thing Um, and that helped me a lot but I've never stuck to it I've never stuck to anything what I've come to now with what you have been helping me with with some other inputs as well is all this time I always thought I had to be a better person I was trying to be a better person but I was missing the key factor in the equation and that was the alcohol I was trying different things. I've tried journals. I, I used to, I read a thing, um, The Artist's Way, where you you do a journal. I've done some reading and listening and so forth, but I was always aiming at the wrong thing. I wasn't, I was aiming at me being a, 
a better person or, you know, I want to be happy, I want to be a better person. But I wasn't looking at the alcohol and going, well, hold on a minute. Take that out of the equation. That's the key denominator here. Mm. Take that out. Look on that. Everything else now is just flowing. Yeah. Um, and that's a couple of times I might have mentioned, what, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Was I unhappy or was I was was it alcohol or unhappiness? What comes first? I, I don't think there's an answer there, mm. but they add to each other and then it just manifests, then it snowballs. Yeah. And and that's I think right now is making the difference because my playbook says how I'm quitting alcohol. That's that's what I'm doing. Mm. And being a better, happier person is just flowing from taking that out of the equation. You're so amazing. You're an inspiration to me also because of just how I've seen you progress over this. So it's coming up to three months. How many days is it now? 90 days tomorrow. I, I know, and you, you'll back me up, I, I have still not said that I'm quitting drinking forever. And, and I wasn't even counting weeks or months. I, I love counting the days simply because that's in my journal, in my playbook, and I like to keep a record of that. That doesn't mean I'm, you know, you're not over it until you can't count the days, but I'm proud of every day. But also I, I, I just couldn't wait to get to 50 days and I can't wait to get to 100 days and then 300. You know, it's not. I'm not counting weeks or months or anything like that. I'm just so excited about the... Those milestones of, I don't know, round numbers of <laughs> 10, 20, 50, 100, you know, I'm really wrapped with doing that. Yeah, I think it's great mm. too. So I know like when I spoke to you on Chris uh, Boxing Day, um, I think it was, or the day after Boxing Day, and you said this is what I love and this is this is why I wanted to get you on as well. You said that you were bursting with joy and then I think about that first person that I met in that webinar who was so far from bursting with joy. I mean, I'm sure you had that in you. And all this work yes. that you've done, it's you. Like you're the one that's done all this work on yourself, which is incredible. But this transformation I've seen in just in that short amount of time is so awesome. Absolutely. So how Absolutely. are you feeling in yourself? Can you talk about it? Cause, because we, as you know, I've got this 30-day challenge coming up that starts, well, it starts officially 1st of Jan, but we start, we kick it all off properly on the 4th of January. And I sort of want people to get an idea of, just in even in three months, how just with cutting out the alcohol and doing some internal work, how you can feel, you know, by the end of it. Firstly, I think attending the webinar and, and you, you guys know how low I was and there are a couple of things that had happened this year as well that were adding to it and I just knew, I know I was falling over the edge. I, I know I've always drank and I theoretically loved it, but I know that I, I was going to slip very soon into a dysfunctional alcoholic. I'm, I now am calling myself and, and categorise alcoholic or definition of alcoholic, whichever way you choose, but I, I realise now that I've been a functional alcoholic for a long, long time. But I, I this year, just before joining your web, webinar, I realised that I was going over the edge and that if I kept going that way, I would soon be very dysfunctional and, and totally out of control. Um, and I didn't want that to happen. So, um, so through your webinar, um, yeah, since that time, you saw and could see how, how low I felt and, and how I was. But now I'm just 
Christmas morning, for example, um, I was just so overjoyed it wasn't funny. My partner and I got up at half past four. He's a photographer, so we, we were staying on this beautiful island and went out to the beach, even though the weather was a bit bit shabby, a bit rainy, but uh, still magic. And we went out there and I wrote, my, wrote in my playbook and he took photos of the landscape and um, I, I just had this appreciation so much more uh, of of life, of my partner, of where I'm at. I, I feel like I'm, I'm bursting just with joy and contentment. And I've never been a content person. This is something in my life that I've always found I'm either extremely high or extremely low. Middle of the road, normal, what I thought was normal was never me. I, I, I've had a million jobs. I've lived nearly in every state. I've always moving, always grass is always going to be greener somewhere else, never been content. Uh, but now, without that alcohol, without that sneaky bitch sitting mm-hmm. on my shoulder, there's so much clarity. Perhaps I'm doing a little bit more work on myself than others and, again, it depends on people's own story, their own journey. Because I've been on this uh, roller coaster of alcohol for a long, long time, yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm going a bit deeper maybe than some others may may need or wish to, but um, I'm finding that really helpful. So, yeah, just the, just what I'm learning. I'm learning and evolving every single day and I'm so happy with that. And I know... I know the future looks bright. When I when I drink usually up until just, you know, three months ago, I know that, you know, I can't wait to have that drink. Like like many of your your guests have said, you plan you plan that drink. You you just plan your whole life around when you're having your next drink. It's just mm. madness. Mm. But you know, that that first couple of sips, that first couple first couple of drinks. After that, you go, oh, yeah, shit, yeah, relief. Thank God, you know, I feel better now. Or, I've, you know, I, or I felt good, now I'm feeling even better. That only lasts for such a short time. And the more you drink, the less good you feel. Yeah. And and I know that I, I just sit I just sit and keep drinking just because I can. And I'm not getting any joy. I'm not feeling good about myself. I'm I'm ending, I'm making my relationship with my partner bad. I'm... I'm hating myself, I'm hating myself the next morning. The best thing that I've had with this three months thus far is the realisation that I'm not bashing myself up every single day Mm. for what I drank before. Yes. I I can't emphasise, and again, some people may not be to that level, and and again, everyone's own interpretation of what is too much or, or so forth, but I'm, I'm the, like you, you, you've mentioned with yourself too, there is no stop button. I don't stop. Hmm. And, and I see that in my siblings. I see it in so many people. We're, we're not the uh, take it or leave it people. Hmm. It's, go, you know, go hard or go home. It, yeah. it doesn't end. And that doesn't matter if I'm in a social situation or I'm alone. It, I do that every time I drink. My partner will put the lid on the bottle, put it in the cupboard, I will get it out. And uh, anyway, lots and lots of stories. But how good I feel is beyond uh, beyond words for me at the moment because that I know it's because I'm not bashing myself up every day. And bashing myself up for how many years? Nearly every day. 
a light bulb just came on for me then when you were saying that. I just realized too, that is definitely part of it. When you're waking up all the time and bashing yourself up internally and emotionally and saying, I'm so shit, I'm such a loser. And all the things we do when we binge drink and have regrets, it just taking that out is a huge relief. Like not having all that negative loop going all the time is massive. And and Danny, that, that's it. I find that, well, this is me. This is how I'm interpreting how I'm feeling. It may not be the real story, but this is how I'm seeing it. So one, I'm not bashing myself up. So I'm not feeling like a loser. I'm not hating myself every day. Um, there's still a lot of past and shit to get through, but I'm getting through it. But then I'm, I'm not feeling like crap mentally and physically. So I'm, I'm being more alert. I'm being uh, I'm not making bad decisions. Mm. I, as I say, I've, I've had more jobs than I've had hot dinners. I, I've lived nearly in every state. So for me to have a bad day, I'm like, well, if you, I'm out of here. I'm leaving the state. I'm quitting this job. You can shove this job up your backside. I'm, I'm out of here. And as I've said, looking for love in all the wrong places, being attracted to men who were, I, I've spent time, uh, visiting uh, an ex-partner when he was in jail. One partner was became a, uh, addicted to gambling. I've been with many men long-term who've been unable or cannot commit because they're married or they don't want to or whatever. I've, I've spent so many years in not-so-good situations and I'm now seeing that it's because the way I was feeling and the way I was feeling was primarily because I was drinking. Yeah. Now, again, that, that might be wrong. That might be putting a bit too much blame on alcohol. But I, I see my, my self-esteem has come from drinking and the consequences of drinking, which has made me feel bad, which has made me accept situations or circumstances that may or, or be in situations that really were not acceptable. Or at, at risk for myself and so on and so forth. So I see now that alcohol has perhaps been that, not the blame, but it, everything has evolved from that oh, totally. in my mind. Yeah. I think that's, so, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, I think that's why with the coaching too, where we always ask people, what do you blame alcohol for? Because I don't think we blame it enough. <laughs> like I think we attribute... Yeah too much of our good times i just wrote a blog on that to you know we give it all the credit for all the good times and we don't blame it enough we blame ourselves and as you know i'm I'm really yeah i just think it's just such a gift to have that gone and to hear you speak like that i've just it's so amazing you know you've just done so good it means so much to me i'm just so i hate to sound um patronizing or anything but i feel so proud of you you know? oh, I'm I'm proud of myself, but this is what I mean. The first webinar, as low as I felt, and I, I'd been drinking the Friday night and the Saturday night. You had the webinar on the Sunday. It was late in the afternoon, four or five o'clock, I think, where you had the webinar, and I wasn't hungover then. But I'd been drinking. Robert was away, so I didn't have him on my back. So I was drinking steadily both of those nights. So you know, I didn't feel good about myself when I tuned into the webinar but that were two of the real key factors I learned from your webinar that day was um 
yeah, realising what it taken from me. And that's where I've written here, it took from me time, children. You know, I've never married or had children. And what, perhaps why not? In my mind I thought, no, I'm in bad relationship, bad relationships. Um, why bring a child into this type of relationship? But the question is, why was I in a bad relationship? Because I didn't think I deserved any better. Why didn't I think I deserved any better? Because. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So I bash myself up because I don't like myself because I drink. Now, that might be a bit too simple or too much blame, as I say, but that's where I've got to now to see these consequences, which I think is stem primarily from drinking. Um, So, yeah, what what else did it take from me? Or (laughs) What do I blame alcohol for? Being promiscuous in the past, not loving myself, binge eating, wasting so much time. What else do I blame it for? Bad relationships. So, you know, these are the things I, I was able to write down just through the questions you and Ash were asking on that that very day. So I, I think what you guys have provided me is the the catalyst to go, well, gosh, yeah, be realistic. This is this is what it's taken from me. Mm. How much more of this do you want? Keep keep moving. Which again, you know, do you go are the stars aligned? Is it coincidence? Is it what? But in after the webinar, you guys you you sent out a list of rehashing some of the questions and and so forth, and also your reading list. And something I found extremely helpful, and I think has been a big impact also uh, with the work we've been doing uh, together, is that uh, is your recommended reading, The Naked Mind. Mm. I can't say how much. I nearly cried the first page I read because that was my life. She even had a brother who was who'd, who'd done prison time, which is exactly like myself. Who's I have a brother who's, um, as you know, in prison at the moment simply through his behaviour of from alcohol and drugs because he becomes a demon, a Jekyll and Hyde. So um, reading that book really switched me on to so much about what what you've also discussed with me, but the unconscious and the conscious and really starting to pay attention to we've got, you know, the sneaky bitch in, in our unconscious and our conscious and, and we're always at, at conflict and that's where I realise I've been at conflict in my own mind for 30 years. Mm. So, you know, even six months ago I'd say, no, 
um, I'd go to the bottle shop and go, no, I only buy one bottle because tomorrow you're not having it. And I'd, so I'd drink that bottle and because I had to work, start work early. So I'd just leave it at one bottle, but I could easily go more because we, I'm in the mining industry and we uh, self breathalyze every morning before we start work. So I used to always figure I could drink a bottle and, and I, I'd blow zero which isn't always the case, I might add. But nonetheless, so the next day I still go back in that bottle shop and my because my unconscious is going, that's okay, do it, do it, do it. You need it, you want it, you love it. But my conscious is going, no, no, no. You only bought one bottle yesterday because you weren't going to drink anymore. And that's where that conflict comes in. So uh, the naked, back to that, the naked mind I think really um, can give some great insight to to how we think and, and how we think about alcohol and how much, like I said earlier about conditioning, you know, what, what happens at home is your conditioning, how we think of about ourselves and also how society looks at alcohol are other factors that we all just think, yeah, it's sweet, work hard, play hard. Mm. Why in Western society do we think that's acceptable? Oh, yeah, work our guts out and then, you know, drink, drink so much, spend our hard-earned cash make an idiot of ourselves and then hate ourselves. You know what? It's just such a stupid thing, isn't it? It Work hard, play hard. Also with my the playbook, um, I've I've got journals my partner bought me years ago and I've written in them for a short period of time or I can pull out where I've written in there four years ago, never kept at it. But having my daily journal with my I am's, my must's, my gratefuls is just such a great start to my day that I feel remiss something's missing if I don't do it every day now yeah um, and even if I do it in the day I, I'm very I'm quite regimented my routine on the uh, during the week because I'm away at work I'm not at home but on the weekends I get a bit out of routine I will still do my journal 95% of the time every day it really just set, sets my day up right mate so I can't yeah. thank you enough for that playbook what you've done is your level of commitment, which it didn't start, I don't think it started so high, but it's like your commitment to what you're doing and you're doing the work and it's it's paying off tenfold. You know, it's not just it's not just about quitting alcohol now, it's about this internal growth and this transformation that you're going through. And I think with anyone that's going to take on anything like this, there has to be a level of commitment there where you can't just sort of sit on your ass and think, I'm just going to sit here and not drink and I hope for the best or, you know, use all my willpower. It's about growing. It's about expanding as a person so that you start to love yourself again so that you don't feel like smashing yourself with alcohol. You don't want to wake up anymore hating yourself. And once you start to get a few glimpses of that, it feels good. So then we start to grow on that feeling of it feeling good. And all power to you because you have been really committed to it and you do the work. It's like I said before, it's all you. It's everything that you're doing. And could we talk a bit, a little bit, I don't think you ever saw yourself, like what was the longest you'd ever gone without drinking? Maybe 14 or 15 years ago for about five weeks because to lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> like even though I go, diets, I go on diets quite regularly and my partner will say to me, oh, you're still drinking. I thought you were on a diet. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can do without food, but I can't do do without the grog, <laughs> you know. So um, probably about 14 years ago I did go on a, a very – I paid for an eating plan. Yeah, I stayed off the grog for about five weeks, I think. Mm, yeah. That's pretty – yeah, that's good. I, I 
A number of years, I, um, I've been in management in the mining industry, so um, there's periods when I work away sort of Monday to Thursday, there have been periods where I don't drink every day. Uh, a few years ago, that's not the case now. I'm in different roles and whatnot, and I'm pretty over it. And it's been sneaking in more and more, I guess, and that's it. There were periods where I would go um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday without drinking because I work away Monday to Friday. Yeah, that, that was a few years back now. I haven't done that for a long time. I can go sort of maybe three days without having a drink usually. And as I say, being in the mining industry, even 15, 18 years ago, I'd work two weeks on, one week off and come home and if I arrived home in the morning, that, that first day home is always a huge drinking day. I'd go out, collect my mail, go out for lunch and start drinking then and just carry it on for the rest of the day. So it, it's always been, yeah, look, I, I would see myself, oh, yeah, I, I'm a heavy drinker and, and I think that says it all. I, I believed that I love drinking. And and my partner would say too, oh, you you like your brother. I'm like, how dare you? No, I'm not. But but reality is, yes, I am. We there's no stop button. I could say. I think part of this journey too is the being usually after I reckon about eight weeks, you can start to really reflect and be a bit more honest with yourself. That's part of the journey as well as being honest. But what are you doing? So talk to the people a bit about what you're doing day to day to get through. I know you also drink a lot of the alcohol-free beers and things, which is great. Talk to us. How, do, how, do, yes. how are you getting through? Well, firstly, um, starting my morning ritual. So I've combined a few different things. Uh, sit in on a Tony Robbins uh, virtual uh, course back, back in October prior to committing, sorry, uh, September, prior, prior to committing to alcohol-free. So mm-hmm. I've pulled in a few things from him and a few other areas. So my morning ritual, I get up at 5 I do uh, something Tony Robbins does, which is called priming, where you do a lot of ex- exhalation breaths, put your, like he does, but uh, put your hands in the air, do the breathing, and then pull to your heart joy, bring to your heart joy, do 30 ex- exhalations again, uh, bring to your heart uh, love, and again, repeat and bring to your heart joy. So I do that. I do my, um, I do some sit ups and some hand weights, uh, not many, about 15 to, to uh, two reps, bugger all to be honest. But anyway, I do that in my little donger in my at the mine, mining camp. Then I do my journal. And also I try and do 10 minutes of reading. At the moment I'm still working through You Can Heal Your Life, but any, um, any um, helpful self-help sort of reading um, Initially, it was The Naked Mind, um, but there, there's shitloads of, of books out there. And everything's got, you can take something from everything, I think. It doesn't, yeah. you don't have to be brainwashed by a certain author or, or way, but, you know, there's so much to learn from so many different sources. Yeah. Um, usually, if I do to work, I try and listen to, and I was never into podcasts, mate. I'd never listened to podcasts before I listened to yours, to be honest. Um, so <laughs> I, um, I've got onto a woman, American woman I found on Spotify, but I've looked on her website as well. She's Her name is Tara Bruck, uh, B-R-A-C-H. She's on Spotify, but look at her, her own website as well. She's a psychologist and meditational meditator, meditational uh, teacher, whatever. She lived in a 
like a mum for 10 years, you know, 30, 40 years ago. But she is amazing and, again, brings so many things uh, together which a lot of these recognised speakers is really, everyone's banging on about the same thing. It's just that the concepts are all the same. We've just got to take the the little tips and the, the little tools from each one and bring it together and that's what I find I'm actually now doing for the first time in my life. Robert Kiyosaki also does um, a thing, Change Your Life Before Breakfast, which is the same things about visualisation and so forth. So there's a lot of tools out there. Just try and find the tool that's right for you. Now, in terms of my urges for drinking, initially I've gone through different stages. It it was really tough. My my real challenge is coming home from the mine site. As I say, for 20, 30 years I've been getting onto the grog straight after when I get home. I haven't filled the gap yet. I know you speak a lot about filling the gap. I haven't quite done that yet with finding something else to do, but I know that I'm pretty busy and just getting home. I've always got shitloads of stuff to do, Mm. but I'm I'm doing so much more. Rather than sitting down like I would on that night when I get home from the mine, I just keep doing things at home. I potter around. There's heaps to do. I'm getting up early doing gardening and stuff. I, I mean, I am an active person. We work really hard at home and I, you know, I do physical stuff at home. Yeah, somehow I'm just filling the time. And I know you've suggested too on that, those critical times like coming home, maybe go to the movies or do something. But so far I've got through. I didn't pour all the alcohol down the, down the drain or anything at home. I've left alcohol at home because that's my little mental challenge to go, I know you're there. And as you've given me, I love that term, sneaky bitch. I'm not going to let the sneaky bitch get me. And even my partner's on board with that. He keeps calling it too, that sneaky bitch, <laughs> you know. So whereas normally I wouldn't. I'd see I'd see Grog and I'd take it. You know, there'd be times I'd run out of Grog and I'd beg Robert, please go, go, get me more, get me more. And, you know, we'd have big fights because, you know, we I, I, I wouldn't want to go without. I'm working on myself, all this work, taking it out, Taking alcohol out of the equation has made me feel better and I'm feeling better so I don't need to have it and my mind knows that. And I know, um, as I mentioned, I know that that little 20 minutes of feeling good from alcohol is going to lead to the next 20 hours of not drinking for 20 hours, drinking for the next six hours, not feeling good by the end of that, coming to bed, being aggro with my partner and then feeling like shit the next day mentally and physically and bashing myself up. So it's the next 20, 20 minutes is going to feel all right. The next 20 hours I'm going to feel bad. What decisions am I going to make then? What bad decisions am I going to make for myself? How am I going to treat myself? Bad, bad, bad. So I know that I still like some of the motion of having a drink. So... My brother says to me, don't, don't let the placebo effect trick you. Don't do it. Don't, don't have non-alcoholic drinks. It's, it, it, it won't work. At the moment, I'm finding it does work for me. Initially, when I first did commit on the 1st of October to, to go out to try alcohol free, I bought up big on Monday Distillery and Etch and I really love their products and I wholeheartedly support what they're doing. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, I use those for like a little special occasion. Another 
thing I did was went out and bought new glassware um, instead of just having wine glasses, sort of didn't take them all away, didn't pack them all away or give them away, but got a few wine glasses there because I still want to offer people if they come to our home and, and, and my partner to feel free to drink wine or drink alcohol. There's, we're not barring it from my life or from being um, in my home. But uh, so I bought new glasses. I've also bought a new dinner set and stuff like that. So just, just because to me, cooking, cooking, eating all comes with drinking. I love going wine tasting. I love the whole experience. I love interacting with people at wineries. I love interacting with with chefs and uh, people in who are in hospitality, waiting and talking about food. I love going to a restaurant and sitting, or the Movida in Melbourne, and sitting at the bar and saying, "Okay, mate, what do you recommend I drink today? What's your speciality today?" I love that whole feel. I love the good, not just you know some of some of my life can be trashy, but I love a lot of that that other upmarket side to food and alcohol. And alcohol is always, to me, comes with food as well. Mm. Um, so for me to cook at home and eat at home, I always put out placemats. I'll always have alcohol with my food. I'll always have alcohol when I'm cooking. So that, to me, to replace my glassware and my dinnerware has been um, sort of important because it's it's a fresh look and... I still like it to look nice. I still like to feel nice while I'm eating and drinking something that is non-alcoholic. Yeah. So that's been big to me. I bought the Soda Stream, so um, making my own uh, drinks and putting in some mint or basil and lime in my non-alcoholic beverages is good. Even uh, I sent you a photo. We've been at a, been lucky enough to be at a, a lovely little island resort uh, the last few days, and I saw some ladies in the pool with the plastic wine glasses and drinking wine in the pool. And I said to my partner, "Gee, I'd love, I'd love to have a wine." And he goes, "Do you really, really love? Would you love it?" And I'm like, "No, no, that's just a thought. That's just a word. Mm. I don't love it." Mm. And so I ordered a strawberry milkshake and because the barman was asking, oh, what what mocktail can I have or you're making that fancy thing? Is there alcohol in that? And um, and so I said, oh, can I go a strawberry milkshake? <laughs> and he did a really good cream and he put frozen strawberries in it and he brought it out to the pool and I'm like, hey, this is cool. Yeah. I'm at the pool. I, here's, you know, I always think, oh, you've got to have a cocktail or you've got to have a wine. But I, I got over that and I felt so good because I'm enjoying every single moment while I'm at that pool or doing that that thing. Normally yes. I'd take and I'd be three parts pissed in no time. And you don't end up enjoying it as much. And I remember early on, we were living in Bali, like I'd always drink on a Sunday and I'd put cold chisel on and I'd have my coconuts with rum in it and, you know, I'd drink and get smashed. By the end of the day, I'm like, drink darling people and, the, you know, it's just a write-off of a day. And I remember thinking, I'm not going to be able to do that. And I thought, no, yes, I can. So I remember still getting the coconuts and I just put heaps of lime in them. I still put my, my music on and still sat by the pool all day with the kids but I found that I was actually enjoying it more anyway because I was still into the music. I was still enjoying, I was, was actually enjoying my kids more and just enjoying the whole experience more. I relaxed all these things 
just minus the alcohol. So you could still do all these things. You just don't have to have the alcohol. But I know what you're saying. I know those little things you're like, well, how, or, or that would be nice right now. Three years down the track for me, I, I don't, don't think about it and you'll get there too. But things as well, as well with me, like cooking and the fine dining and things like that, we were right into that. But now you can still go do a degustation. We went to Bray in Victoria a while back. Amazing. And they just had the most incredible non-alcoholic pairing with the food. And it was really yes. interesting. It was beautiful. And I tasted everything. I could, by the end of a, a degustation, normally I'm half pissed and, you know, I can't even really remember the last, you know, so it's great. And I agree. And that's what I'm realising. All this time I was doing so much and I've, I've done lots of great things in my in my time but how much of it I've lost or not appreciated or and exactly as you say I, I've not tasted that food usually if I go out for dinner I, I have one bite of food and I have one sip of my drink yeah. and you know it's nothing a couple of bottles of wine between two people is nothing and for, that's just your starters you know how much do I know what I'm experiencing that's the difference I'm just at the moment so appreciative because I'm so present and I'm just realizing my god this is real I'm I'm not in a semi semi not there semi weird state of being semi pissed or, or fully pissed and that, yeah. that is the difference and realisation and going, no, I don't need it. These are just words. I need it. I want it. I love it. No, I don't. They're just thoughts. Yeah. And that's what I mean, learning for me, but these are just thoughts. I can control that. I don't need to believe that thought. It's not real. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just saying. <laughs> uh, but that's why we're excited because it's like my partner cannot believe it. Family members cannot People who are dear to me that really know the level of my drinking, and and a lot most people don't. Most people don't really know the level of your drinking because I do m- most of my drinking alone. So a lot of people don't know how much you drink. Yeah. And what so, do they think now? They can't believe it. My my partner primarily can't believe it, and I've got actually. Probably to end, I got him just to write a little note. I haven't read it. I said, "Can you write down how much I've changed?" Because I can, you know, I can wank on here as much as I like. No one will really know if it's true or not. So I've got him to write a little note. So um, anyway, we could read that in a moment just to see an an outsider's point of view of really how how much I've changed. Oh my god! Can you um, read it now? Oh, okay. Okay. Like you know, my dad. I've been, I'm, I'm very open about this. I can't wait to tell people, you know, in the shops even, I t- sprout to people say, you know, in the shops, you know, oh, how's your day today? Fantastic. I'm on day 75 alcohol free. And they're like, oh, my. But, you know, it's so interesting when people say to you, though, and this was always me, oh, I wish I could do that. Mm. You know, when you say I'm alcohol free X, Y, Z days, and they're like, oh, I wish I could do that. I'm like, you can, you yeah. can. <laughs> check out Danny's website. (laughs) If I can do it, anyone can do it, you know. So, yeah, yeah, sorry, but my dad sort of said, you know, oh, you know, thanks for sharing, but I didn't realise you had a problem. And it's like, mate, when have you never, when have you seen me not drinking ever in the Mm. last 30 years? How how can you not realise I've got a problem? Mm. It is a drug. It is addictive. It is progressive. 
he always used to say, even, you know, not that many years ago, I'll be careful, Mandy, you know it's in your genes. You know, mm-hmm. putting a, it's, it's all my mum's fault, it's in her genes. But, you know, again, it, it's so many things. But, you know, to say I don't realise you've got a problem, well, reality is, mate, of course, any, you've always seen me every time with a glass in my hand. Yeah. Oh, anyway. So, all right. It's a two-page little piece of paper. So this is this is <laughs> from Robert. Me? This is from Robert, your partner. Yeah. Okay, let's hear this it. This is I've been with Robert um, nearly thirteen years. I was hungover when I met Robert. We met online, and I was teed up to see him for lunch or something. And I think I contacted him and said, "I'm, I'm, uh, I don't think we'll do it today because I was really, really hungover." Years later, he sort of said, "Oh, I sort of thought you were a bit sad." And I was because I was full of remorse and guilt because, I, you know, I'd been pissed as a maggot the night before and really didn't like myself. So, But I've always maintained he, he doesn't like me drinking and it's a, it's a big point of contention with us. I've always maintained, well, I was a drinker before you met me, so don't, you know, don't you think I'm going to change just for you? You know, that that's the sort of mentality. I was a drinker before and you, you thought I was okay, so... So now why change? Why change? You don't change think I'm me, okay yeah. now? Yeah, yeah, you want me to change? Piss. All right, page one. Amanda is realising that having a good time and enjoying life is not on alcohol and, in fact, life is better without it. It's clearer and fresh. Amanda <laughs> is amazing and I can't begin to say how proud I am of what she is achieving. She's truly become a new person, bursting with life, happiness and enthusiasm to what life brings. She's become more positive and decisive. I can feel her great energy, which in turn has given me more drive. Usually it's always been the other way. I love my new Amanda. And he's drawn a little picture of me. Oh, <laughs> that's so gorgeous. Oh, that's beautiful. But I, I feel so receptive, so, so, um, yeah, appreciate, so much more appreciative, so much more raw mm. to what's out there and seeing what really is there. Yeah. And and that's why I can't stress enough for anyone who's wanting to try the challenge or give it a go. I, I can't believe now, and, and you're, you, you, you would uh, back me up, that when I was on, attended your webinar when we did our first coaching session, no way would I have imagined I'd be right here right now, even doing a podcast. Yeah, Danny, I can't thank you enough, but also your guests, your guests of what brought me here. You know, there's some other little factors, like I said, working on yourself, but to hear your guests speak so openly and for me to understand exactly where they've been, it's like they can understand me without them even meeting me because I, we've all walked a very similar path. No matter each and every guest you've had, there's a snippet of what I can relate to. And, you know, I sit there driving going, yes, yes, you know, as I'm listening to to the podcasts. But to, to me, this to, to hear people who, who've turned their life around, not necessarily they were even in such a bad space, but to then change their life by not drinking, taking out the alcohol and to hear how, how their life is improved, I would never have believed that, yes, I'm, I'm now becoming one of those people and I'm only 30, uh, not three months into the stage. I can't wait until I'm further down the track. 
to hear these people. And, and you know, I, I've always thought people who didn't drink were boring. I always have thought that. Same. I thought, what do you know? You're so straight. You're so boring. You know, <laughs> fuck, you got to You know, but it's, that's so wrong. Everyone's got a story. Everyone is so interesting. Everyone, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to love everyone, but that's what's so enlightening to hear these people that you, you who are friends and guests of yours that have really done some interesting stuff and have really done some outrageous stuff and some downright shitty stuff. And we've all done that. And, and that's why it's so relatable and go, my God, I've done that shit, you know, yeah. and I've hated myself doing that shit, but I can do this. I never thought I could live my life without drinking ever, but I'm doing that right now. And that, that is phenomenal. Yeah. So. No, I love it. I just think you're just incredible. And I can't wait to see like the next, you know, however long this goes, let's, I, me secretly, I hope you just keep going and going and going. And I think you're going to be a great inspiration as well. And you already are within, within your own family, within your own circles. And I think people will hear this today and um, be inspired as well. So I just think it's just wonderful. And I love seeing this transformation that's happening with you and the messages you send and the photos and everything. I just like get so stoked. I would never normally send people, you know, photos of myself or post on Instagram even, but here I am telling the world, yeah, have a strawberry milkshake, you'll be right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so just for others who are contemplating though, yeah, look, I I can't recommend it enough and and if there's any, you know, I've tried to touch on a couple of things that are working for me, but I think the biggest thing is just that flick in your mind and to, to perhaps understand the impact of alcohol on your life, even if, you know, you're, you're not there as an everyday drinker or, you know, you haven't caused major trauma to, to someone else or, or your own life, it can happen. And, and as other pod guests have uh, said too, is that it is progressive and it, it's not 100% that it will happen to you, but if you're already waking up the next day upset with perhaps the some of the situations you've been in or the consequence of, of you drinking, then, then you know, take a good look because it, 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 it can really be diabolical in your life and, and, and that's what, you know, really I wish I, I'd, I'd realised this 30 years ago. I really do. I, I've always said I'd never have regrets in life and I've been proud of a lot of the, the stupid, shitty things I've done really. You know, I used to love telling some of the stories. I've got some good stories like, like most drinkers, you know, and always made fun of them. Um, but, you know, deep down it, it, it's not good, they're not funny and they're pretty sad. And and like I said, like I've said to you, I, I think at the end of the day a whole a whole other podcast series of uh, alcohol and sex, you know, that, that that's huge in people's lives too and I, and I think it's really sad, you know, the impact of, uh, you know, so many people would have had their first, first sexual experiences under the influence of alcohol and, and how much damage alcohol and people at risk and vulnerable and mm. and domestic violence and all those things, you know, at you know, the real hard stuff that alcohol can do to people is horrific. So, you know, there's so much to this whole thing. Um, at the end of the day, um, yeah, anyone who's uh, contemplating it, um, go on the challenge, man. It'll change your life. And, Danny, you're, you're a legend, mate. Um, mm, you yeah. and Ash, what you've what you're doing here is just phenomenal. I could not have done this without you. It, it, it was just a catalyst and um, the stars have aligned and I can't thank you and, and your podcasts enough for what they've given 
given me and I'm sure giving so many other people. Yeah. And like I said, you'll do the same. So challenge is open at the moment. So if you want to sign up for the three month challenge, people just go over to iquitalcohol.com.au or to grab the playbook that you were talking about, Amanda. And in the challenge, we're going to have, I'll do a one-on-one with every person in the challenge. And I'll also do weekly group coaching calls with people that will have a community of face, a Facebook community group set up for people within that and different people coming in and talking. Ash will come in and talk and different people. So it's going to be great. And I just think that get in, get in amongst it, go for it, give it your all. And I think they'll come out feeling like you, <laughs> Amanda, at the end of this three months. I think it's going to be awesome. Crossing, as you guys would say. One other thing I did forget, though, that um, as per um, some of your advice too, was I did straight up get a little group of family and friends together with a WhatsApp group because Mm. I really thought I'd be going to them every single day and going, help, 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 I want a drink, I want a drink. Gladly, fortunately, that's not been the case, but they are so supportive and fun and I give updates now and again. I even posted a little video and, yeah, to have that support and, as you guys have said as well, the inputs, keep up the inputs and keep up your little support group. And, and Danny, you, you've been my, my number one cheerleader as well. Even if, you know, you're doing it alone, get, get that support. One thing I've listened to um, with this Tara Bruck, something she said just recently too is, it's not your fault, which is resonating with me and, and particularly for my brother as well. It's not your fault and you are not alone. So once once you, you get out there and, and drinking you, any addiction, you can become so isolated. You do. It's just a net. You either ruin every relationship you've got or you just hibernate and be yourself quietly drinking, depressed and whatnot. But it's so tough, but you've got to reach out and that that's really big and that's where you are helping with that and, and you, yeah, you just keep up contact, make a little group as hard as it is, be honest, keep keep a group of people close to you who you can call on when you're, when you're finding it tough Absolutely. and uh, keep up the input, yeah. the reading, the, you know, podcasts. I, I replay some of your podcasts as well it's you know you always miss something when you're listening the first time and it and it, it's so invigorating just to just to reinforce to hear it again and and yeah. that's really important yeah absolutely I think you're right too and a lot of people know from me talking about it in the podcast but when we started we had our little club sober group started this 12 month challenge that we went on to to not drink for the 12 months and that was huge for us and we used it less and less as time went on but if ever there was a time coming up and this is why I've got the weekly coaching and also for this people in this challenge and also a Facebook group, just so there's some accountability because that helps as well and just to feel supported. So it's super important. I think that's definitely part of it. So, yes, but thank you so much, Amanda. That was just so awesome and I'm so proud of you for sharing your story and just everything you've got to say is so great. So <laughs> Thanks, Dan. That was amazing and, like I said, without you, mate. Love you lots. Thank you too. All right. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.